Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, August 8th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. And this is a time where news is moving fast and there's a lot to cover. So I'm sure that you have a lot of questions as well. So I'm going to try to cover as much as I possibly can today. And ultimately, my job each and every weekday, along with Steve, is to answer all the questions that you have with unbiased guidance and help you decipher all the variables that are at play, right? Because there's a lot of factors to consider and try to simplify it down. Now, it's never going to be overly simplified because nothing can be. A lot of people want to look at one metric here or one metric there and think that's their guide to all money decisions or all investing decisions. And it's it's never that simple. But there are so many variables and it's important to decipher which ones are the important variables at the end of the day. Now, I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will call me with your investing questions. And when and if you make those calls, you will shape this show to your advantage And our goal is to help you move one incremental step each and every day towards your own version of financial freedom. And we do that with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So today in this hour, I am going to do my best to move you along that path. Our anytime listener line is open now at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You can call live in our 4 to 5 Pacific time hour or you can call after hours, leave a message, and we will answer it on an upcoming show. So I urge you, get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story about the fact that there are now $15, $15 trillion worth of negative yielding bonds trading in the market today, trading the global market, not just our market, but the global market, which is 25% of the government bond market worldwide. Pretty crazy, $15 trillion. Now, this is uh, pretty interesting because we're still positive here in America, but will this trend spread to America and beyond? And we're going to talk about that. So also have some other topics on deck today. I'm going to talk about Tesla. Why? Because we reached a milestone yesterday, and that milestone was the one-year anniversary of Elon Musk tweeting that he was going to take Tesla private for $420 a share. Clearly, that did not happen with many other things that he often promises, and we're going to touch on that and go over what's happened in the past year. I know I, I try not to talk too much about Tesla, but... This got me fired up because we are one year out, as well as I did a portfolio review yesterday, a day before, on a a listener who had Tesla in their portfolio, and they've been listening to the show for a couple years. So it it was crazy to me that he had it in his portfolio when I've been telling everybody it is not a great investment, and 
Elon Musk is a charlatan and a fraud. So we're going to get to that topic next. When does it make sense to get to not get married for tax purposes? We're going to talk about what kind of those situations are and why that you know may, may might be a bonus for you and your spouse or prospective spouse to actually stay not married for money purposes and tax purposes. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how much college degrees play into the roles that people play within their working life, their career, their jobs, etc. And if that, we get there at the end. But let's go to a caller real quick. Let's go to Greg in Columbus. I believe Columbus, Ohio. He's looking at B-T-A-L. Columbus, Ohio? Hi, yes. Uh, I just had a question about this um, this fund, B-T-A-L. It's the U.S. Market okay. Neutral Anti-Beta Fund. Uh, it says here that okay. they um, take long positions in low beta stocks, and they take short, okay. short positions in high beta stocks. So I was wondering uh, your thoughts on using this as a potential hedge for uh, you know, market volatility that's happening and a potential you know, downturn in the next uh, six to nine months. Yeah, uh, well, I kind of like that. Uh, I kind of like that that process, that thought process, right? You're when the market's not doing very well. Typically, high beta, meaning high volatility stocks, tend to go down faster than other stocks, right? Become more volatile in volatile times, which makes sense. And then they're investing going long companies that have lower betas, typically more stable, probably consumer staples, probably pay dividends, etc. So I like that. Uh, this does have pay a little bit of a dividend, not much, about 0.4%. It has been going up recently, and it's really been going up since the uh, beginning of last year, which is not a shock, to be honest with you. Not a shock uh, in, in the sense that the, the general markets, the broad equity markets topped around that time, and that's when you saw some big downside in a lot of high beta stocks like Tesla, etc. cetera. Uh, and so I, I like this and it's been, its performance has matched what it's been saying. And I think it's performed very, very well. So, you know, in the near term, I think this is a, a good place to be. I wouldn't put all your money into it, but you know, three, 5% of your portfolio, not a bad place to continue to allocate some money towards and away from high beta or maybe, you know, more expensive stocks. Thanks for the call, Greg. Pretty interesting. I never heard of it. It's the AGFIQ U.S. Market Neutral Anti-Beta Fund (BTAL) is the symbol. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and while no one is ever able to reliably predict you know, the next market move, it's, it's it's very hard to know where the market is going in the near term, and so you need to understand what type of volatility your portfolio is going to potentially have. So Steve and I can help. And here's a chance for you to get to sit down with Steve one-on-one for a no-cost portfolio review guidance. He'll be returning to San Jose on August 29th. He's accepting appointments, so you can do you can sign up for one of those. Also, New York City, I believe he does have one appointment left, and we're working on another date in New York City because it is so popular. It's filled up uh, relatively fast. So to reserve your spot for a complimentary consultation, just go to investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. The trading month so far has been volatile. You are working toward financial freedom and you might want a little help. 
So Justin Klein is here taking your questions now. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Tim in Palo Alto. He wants to talk about GDX, the gold mining ETF. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call, and thanks for the great show. Um, so based no on your guys' recommendations, I uh, bought GDX in one account, and then in the smaller account, I actually bought deep in the money uh, call options at 15. Um, and when... When the uh, when it was the 26, when it was when was when the GDX uh, ETF was priced at 26, I bought deep in the money um, call options at 15. So it's highly re- leveraged, basically hi- highly leveraged the, uh, stock. Uh, yep. it, acts, it acts like one. Um, so I'm up very nicely, about like 30 percent, 33 percent, or more than that. And I'm wondering if it's time to sell um, at least the options. Um, what is your expiration on down it? Uh, January, uh, January 2020. Okay. Yeah, I, I do think it is time to take a little bit off the table. I think uh, GDX and the gold, gold is a little overbought here. You know, I've been bullish if you listen to the show for a little while now. Uh, and I've said in any pullback, you want to be buying but now we're up into uh, some pretty decent resistance levels. Now it doesn't mean it can't continue higher, um, but you know the risk versus reward becomes a little more dicey up here around the $30 level in the GDX. You know, close at 29.77. You had a pretty high volume reversal yesterday. It didn't close above that number, that 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 high from yesterday. If it had, I would say yesterday was just a blip. But the fact that it didn't tells me that I think we're likely to see some pullback here. Now, does that mean long-term I don't like it? No, I still think a year from now, two years from now, gold and gold miners will be much, much higher than they are today. But nothing goes up in a straight line. You often have pullbacks, and I think this is a pretty solid level to expect a decent pullback in gold, in the gold miners. But uh, And so if that doesn't retake off by January of next year, clearly this will be a missed opportunity to sell. So uh, I, I would definitely take some off the table. You're up 30%, uh, maybe take half of your profits here, or maybe take all of your profits, you know, take that 30% uh, and let the, or take 70% off, let the 30% ride and kind of go from there. That might be a good way too, because I, I think there's still a possibility where this pullback could be minor into September, October, and you know, through the end of the year, we rally through the end of the year. I think that's certainly possible as well. Hard to figure out timing, but I do think it is a good time to start reducing a little bit of that put posi- or that call position. Thanks. No problem. Thanks for the call, Tim. Let's go to Mike here in Irvine, very local. How you doing, Mike? Hi. Thank you. I'm doing good. You're looking at Teva, correct? Yes. Uh, I have a question about this stock. I've been following it for a long time, and I've been buying it on the way down. Um, but my, I have a theory. I want to run it by you, and you know, tell me if that's what you know, if it makes sense. Um, I know they have the opioid lo- uh, lawsuit ahead of them, uh, but my question is: Do you think the stock price is actually being kept down artificially by even the company? Because, you know, logically, if they went into a lawsuit and they lost, 
uh, and they might face bankruptcy uh, from a settlement perspective. If they are not profitable, they may, you know, settle at a lower price. So this is, it, it, it has a better upside than a downside, and the, all the hype around that they might go bankrupt is actually, um, is, you know, it's false. Um, you know, I, I just can't see a large dr- uh, drug company going bankrupt, especially when there's a dependency for it um, in, in the general public. Well, uh, they, they make they make generic drugs, and they there are other generic drug makers. A uh, and there, there's always going to be competitions for competi- or, or alternatives, competitors for the things that they offer, the drugs that they offer. So I I don't really buy your theory. Sure that that that's an interesting theory. Uh, I think you're trying to convince yourself of something that. Uh, is unlikely to be true because you're hoping to make your money back. To if, you're, if I'm being frank with you, um, I do think Teva will go bankrupt. Uh, you know, we used to own the stock, and when they came out with that litigation, we were hurt by it. But we sold and we got out because you know we didn't know if they could handle uh, this turnaround. It, it, turning around this type of business with this amount of debt, they made some pretty poor acquisitions in light of you know what came after that. And they have to dig themselves out of it, and it doesn't seem like, from a business perspective, that they're doing that. You know, EBITDA continues to go negative, uh, and it only looks to get worse. Uh, revenue continues to fall, and so I just simply do not see this company managing its way out of the level of debt it has. It has about eight billion dollar market cap, and its uh, its enterprise value is thirty five billion. You're talking about oh, over $25 billion in debt on their balance sheet. And they only, you know, their, their EBITDA now is uh, last quarter was, or trailing 12 months is negative $300 million. So I just don't think this will survive. I could be wrong, uh, but I don't think your theory holds much water. And I would just be taking my lumps, taking my losses, and moving on. Thanks for the call, Mike. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe that every investor should determine their own individual risk tolerance. And that is the first step to understanding if your investment strategy makes sense for you. Just because your cousin or your friend recommended a stock or a strategy, does that make sense for who you are as an investor? So we have a free online tool on investtalk.com. Go there, take it find out your score. But now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a quick look at some key benchmark numbers. Gold is now a little over $1,500 an ounce, but was down a little bit today. Not a shock. Like I said, 10-year Treasury yield was at 1.75% at the close today. Still extremely low, up a little, a few ticks from a couple days ago. Uh, but the mortgage rate, 30-year mortgage rate, is now at 3.6%. Should fuel the 
refi market and maybe fuel the resale market, housing market, if, if this doesn't also spark a round of layoffs, right? Because the market sold off, rate, yields dropped because of worries of the economy, of potential recession, not necessarily fully driven by the trade war, but certainly an escalation of the trade war definitely increases the odds of that actually happening. So that's kind of what we're seeing uh, in the market today. Now, some other news. AMC Movies is, whole, is, is saying that it's has nearly 900,000 people signed up for their theater subscription called the A-List. It's going to cost, on average, about $21 a month. It's going to vary depending on region. And it'll allow moviegoers to see three movies per week. So about 12 titles a month. That's a pretty good value there. And it's going to start in the second quarter, sorry, in the second quarter of 2019, AMC sold 97 million tickets in its theaters. And AMC sent out sent out one and one to one and a half billion emails and text messages to its database of moviegoers each year. So they clearly have a large reach to get these people signed up, and their goal is to match the movie content and themes with the what they know their customer base likes. And their their goal is to get repeat customers instead of people seeing movies once every three months six months something like that i see like two movies a year maybe uh trying to get more people to continue to go kind of like uh, the movie pass uh, remember last year i think that drove the company into bankruptcy uh the parent company and amc is trying to copy it and it'll be interesting to see if that actually happens now walgreens plans to close 200 stores in the u.s at the same time the company is pairing back its UK location. So once again, another retail company kind of retrenching a little bit. And they say that the new store closures represent less than 3% of its 10,000 US locations. But I think it's more of, it's not the number, it's just the signal, right? And they hope it saves $1.5 billion in annual expenses by fiscal 2020, and they're trying to transform the business and use cost management to really drive profits going forward. Pretty interesting. Now let's talk about our main talking point today, and that's about bond yields and negative bond yields to be exact. $15 trillion of government bonds are now trading in negative territory that's 25 percent of the entire market and it's nearly tripled since october of last year remember market was going good october last year suddenly fourth quarter happened and risk off sentiment happened and the expectations of central banks tightening certainly suddenly turned into central bank easing so the market was signaling that they they have gone too far on their tightening cycle, you know, with the Fed doing QT, with the ECB uh, planning to stop QE by the end of the year, which they did. Now they're talking about going the other way. Just like we have eased, the ECB is talking about lowering interest rates before the end of the year because they see a significant degree of monetary stimulus continue to be necessary to ensure the financial conditions remain very favorable and support the euro area expansion. This is not a shock, but... It's also kind of sad 
that these central banks still are using the same instruments that they have been for a decade and it hasn't changed the economic outcomes. Europe continues to be slow. We still have generally outside of stimulus, we have a 2% growth economy, right? You had us coming out of the recession with the Obama stimulus when it came to spending and Trump's stimulus came the other way in tax cuts. So both stimulated the economy using basically debt, right? It, Obama borrowed money to create uh, this that, that program and Trump simply stopped collecting as much revenue, which forced the treasury to borrow more money. So both times they were putting us in a worse fiscal situation, okay? And that is... That is something that can work in the near term, but long term, it's about structural reform. And what the central banks have been doing is basically kicking the can down the road by lowering interest rates, lowering interest rates, and not forcing politicians to actually create reforms that will grow the economy in a sustainable way. Not just adding more debt, but improving efficiency, creating more opportunity, creating more economic activity that actually makes sense that provides a greater good right infrastructure spending etc so that's where we are in the global bond market not shocking i think eventually we will get there as the united states uh but it's pretty sad that they don't recognize pause now in tomorrow's invest talk this opinion story there is a silver lining to the trade war turmoil that's what one analyst says Steve will get to that, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call InvestTalk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get Y charts. This is Invest Talk, and we are all watching the markets go up, then down. 
So now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Eric in Boston looking at Kirkland Lake Gold. Hey, Justin. Thanks for taking my Actually, it's uh, Tarek uh, from Boston. Oh, okay. No worries. Yeah. Well, you're, you're looking uh, at Kirkland yeah, Lake, yeah. and uh, do you own it or are you looking to buy it? Uh, I have it in my IRA, and I've got a pretty good gain on it, roughly 30%. And I was thinking of just holding it longer term. I initially got it as potentially a short-term swing, but, you know, looking more into the company and its uh, financials, it appears to be pretty impressive. So what are your thoughts on whether this is a good addition to my IRA? Yeah, this is a one of the big growth names within the industry. They've uh, found a one of, one of their mines basically hit <laughs> really well, and it's been growing its revenue and earnings dramatically over the past few years. You know, 2015 they made eight cents a share. This year they're supposed to make two dollars and thirty cents a share and two dollars and thirty seven cents a share next year. So clearly the growth expectations. Uh, are going to come down or looked or have already come down. And so, uh, you know, how much of this story is already priced in the stock, I think is the big question. To me, this is your expensive growth name that conti- could continue to grow and fire up the engines. You know, this could go from 47 to 147 in the next year if the growth continues on that scale. Uh, but it's one of the more expensive ones within the industry. So it's not a value play for, Definitely, uh, but it's well run. It, it has a, like I said, a mind that's really crushing it right now, and uh, it's good to have in your portfolio. So I like it. I still like the name. We, we've had owned it in some of our managed accounts uh, this year at some point. I forgot exactly when, um, but we had owned it. We've sold it since. Actually, got called away from us. Uh, and so I, I like I like the name, uh, but I would diversify your holdings of gold miners in general because this is definitely going to be one of the most volatile within the space. Uh, okay, great, thanks. Thanks for the call. That was Kirkland Lake Gold, definitely a big winner over the past couple of years. And the big question is, is that all priced in? Let's talk a little bit about. Elon Musk. I know I talk about it occasionally. I try not to talk about Elon very often. Uh, I try not to talk about Tesla very often because it's a very divisive topic. Uh, However, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of Elon tweeting that he had funding secured for a buyout of Tesla for $420 a share. Just for quick reference, Tesla is not a private company. And now trades for about $240 a share. So kind of flip those first two numbers. And that's where it's at now, 238.30 at the close today. And I had a client, not a client, not currently a client, called for a portfolio review and had Tesla in his portfolio. And I just simply asked, why is it in there? How long have you been listening to the show? They said two years and didn't have it and still had it in their portfolio. And it was pretty shocking that... Uh, does still, I don't think everyone understands the Tesla story and how much of a charlatan Elon Musk is. I still believe that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, Elon Musk will be put up with the greatest charlatans of our time, the Ponzi, Charles Ponzi. I think eventually there will be a scheme that will be named after Elon because 
he really has it down. And, you know, he's, he's not a genius, but he is shrewd. I will say that. He's very shrewd. And so let's go and look at the last year, right? A year ago yesterday, tweeted out, I have funding secured, $420 a share, assured shareholders that he would always protect them, etc. And about a month and a half later, the SEC filed their lawsuit. September 27th of last year, they complained in the, in, in the alleged complaint, Musk issued false and misleading statements and failed to properly notify regulator, regulators of material company events. So basically saying he lied, which he did. He did not have funding secured in no way, shape, or form. If you understand how these buyouts work, especially a buyout of that size, that didn't come close to ever getting to reality because it was just a figment of Elon's imagination, which many of his promises are, right? And what he said in that time was, this unjustified action by the SEC leaves me deeply saddened and disappointed. I've always taken action in the best interest of truth, transparency, uh, and investors integrity is the most important value in my life and facts the facts will show i never compromise this in any way clearly that was a bold face lie l i e in capital letters because he was fined 40 million dollars split between himself and te- tesla for these tweets lack of oversight by tesla and just straight up securities fraud by elon and it's really been a disaster ever since the stock continues to slide and he is just simply uh, increasing his number of lies and more and more scrutiny comes on him every day. He even called the SEC, the Short Seller Enrichment Commission, a company who really gave mercy, showed mercy and allowing him to remain the CEO of a company where clearly he does not understand the rules and regulations and what it means to be a publicly traded company. Now, if you're a private company, you can do all the things that Elon does, make false promises, lie to shareholders, you know, maybe even lie to customers. But when you're a publicly traded company, you have certain standards you must live up to. Now, my biggest bugaboo and my biggest issue is autopilot. Uh, He's beta testing autopilot, not only on his customers who are paying, I don't know, $6,000 for some features like full stuff driving that aren't even available yet. So basically stealing their money and promising one day will give you something that they really don't have the ability to deliver. And they are endangering the lives of other drivers who do not own Teslas, but are on the roads with Teslas of drivers who are using autopilot like it is full self-driving, which it is not. There are hundreds of thousands of videos online of Tesla drivers driving with no hands using uh, autopilot when it's not intended to do so because Elon simply misleads not only uh, investors, but the public on the capabilities of it. Okay. Now he's laying off people. He laid off seven thousand or seven percent of his workforce, about a thousand of an employee of his employees in January, and now he tweeted he, he in February nineteenth he once again tweeted about production numbers for Tesla that violated his settlement with the SEC and clearly showed that he's he's not doing what he says uh, he he was going to do. He's he doesn't care about the regulations. He shows. N- all contempt and no respect 
for the SEC. And then the NHTSA just recently sent a cease and desist letter in October regarding uh, misleading statements, or it was just it was just posted that uh, they did in October that he had misleading statements in a blog post that month about the Models Three safety rating that it's the lowest probability of injury of all cars the safety agency has ever tested which is not what the agency had said once again another lie by elon so stop believing him people need to stop believing elon musk he is a liar he is a charlatan he is the worst run is worst ceo in the corporate america and that's clear by the number of executives that are leaving Tesla on a weekly basis and just recently in the recent earnings announcement or lack of earnings announcement the one of the original founders original executives of Tesla JB Straubel the, the CTO chief technology officer resigned he's leaving his post and it's just another name on a growing list of executive departures at Tesla which just shows terrible nature that they operate in now tomorrow's friday and i mean steve will be here sharing highlights from the kpp premium newsletter you'll get market analysis portfolio guidance stock ideas and consumer watch information as well and you can subscribe to the kpp premium newsletter anytime at investtalk.com but for now i'm justin klein and i'm ready to take your questions at 888 chart this is Invest Talk. We have a few important dates for serious investors. Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose on August 29th to meet one-on-one with listeners who understand how they can benefit from Steve's no-cost portfolio review consultations. Appointments are limited, so register now. And please tell your friends and family members who live in the New York area that Steve is coming to Manhattan for two days on September 19th and 20th. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin are always happy to answer your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. How are you? Big fan of the show. This is Eric from uh, Columbus. I just wanted to ask you about your opinion regarding shorting the economy, especially after today's Fed rate cut and uh, with no indication of definite cuts in the future, as well as uh, everything going on with trade talks with China. I just wanted to know your opinion on potentially shorting an S&P 500 ETF, such as uh, SPY, or potentially even going down the chain and uh, shorting an index like the Russell 2000. So if you could uh, give your thoughts and uh, feedback on that, that would be great. Looking forward to hearing your answer. Well, the long and short is it, uh, of it is I'm a fan of all of those things. I think uh, shorting the market in general is probably a good way to hedge yourself uh, in this economy. Now, when exactly the uptrend turns into a downtrend is, is hard to know, uh, right? We've been in an uptrend since 2010, basically. Now, on many charts, you look at the uh, NYSE, uh, now the NASDAQ after the recent sell-off, uh, a lot of them have suddenly broken the uptrend line 
from 2009 upwards. Now, can we continue to chop sideways? You know, the markets, the equity markets in general, have basically topped or did basically top in January of last year. Now, some indexes like the Russell, uh, like the S&P and the NASDAQ, they did reach new highs. But if you look at something like the MSCI All World Index, that did not make a, a high in the fall of last year. It actually made a lower high, another lower high recently, and that's the start of a downtrend. Now, it's not a major downtrend. It's it's very tepid, and it could just be a consolidation period. That's certainly possible as well. It all depends how aggressively does the Fed or central banks globally, how aggressively do they ease? Who Do they create, print money, right? If they just throw money out there, they... The fiat system, they can print money, throw it out there into the economy, and that money is going to flow somewhere. And a lot of times it flows into stocks because rates are going to go down. You look at a discounted cash flow method, you you have lower rates, it inflates the value of asset prices in general. So that certainly could drive the market to, to a breakout level and continue upward if the central banks globally get super aggressive. Now, I do think they're getting to the end of their their rope, the end of their ability to really affect the economy. But if central banks really want to drive inflation, drive economic activity, they could print money and give it to people, which there's call for that as well. And you could do that on a government scale. So it's very hard to tell you exactly how these policymakers are going to react to what's happening in our global markets and more specifically the economy because the global economy is slowing and continues to slow and it has been for a while now really since early last year and it's not a shock shouldn't be a shock to anyone so uh shorting the market i do think that's a good thing good thing but if policymakers pivot strong enough you know you're definitely gonna have to cover your shorts and move on and maybe go long. So I hope that helps. Uh, and sh- you can't short the economy, but you can short individual indexes, like you said. 888 chart, 888 That's how you get through and ask your question on the show. We have about eight minutes left. So if you're going to call, you want to do it ASAP. Now let's get to uh, one of our other talking points today, and that has to do with taxes. Taxes... We clearly have a more simple tax code than we did just a couple years ago, but that doesn't mean that there aren't hard decisions. There's still con- there continue to be hard decisions, and there's interesting quirks in the tax code, and a lot of them remain, and some of them have transformed since then. Now, one of the more interesting scenarios is when you have a couple that actually will be taxed more if they get married. And this is happening more and more now that men and women are both working in careers more often, right? 30, 40 years ago, it was typically the the man was the breadwinner and the woman had a job maybe, but didn't make as much as the man. And it made more sense for them to get married from a tax perspective and save money. But in today's world, there are situations where it makes more sense for 
two individuals, especially if they're making around the same amount of money, to stay single, file single, rather than get married and file jointly because they're actually going to be taxed more if they get married than if they stay single. So we're going to talk a little about these quirks after the break because I think it's important to kind of flesh out the specific details, but it's something I think everybody should know because whether that's whether you're not married or married, you might know somebody that might come into this situation and say, "Hey, it makes sense to not stay married and not get married and just have a big party." That's what a wedding is anyway. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here and it's to help you achieve your version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, one analyst claims there is a silver lining to trade war turmoil. What's he talking about? And is he right? That story tomorrow. But now, Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, before the break, I talked about how it can make sense for two individuals to stay together, but not get married, and they'll actually come out ahead when it comes to taxes. Now, that's go with a few examples. Now, say one partner earns $110,000, the other earns $15,000 a year, and if they get married, they actually save $8,400 by filing married, okay? Get something a little more equal, one hundred forty-five dollars and $80,000, and if they get married, they save about $300 for filing, right, versus filing single, right? Filing married versus filing single. However, that changes, this is if they don't have kids or anything, but that changes if each couple, say, has two children and they have typical mortgage deduction, state tax deduction, charity, etc. The original couple, that benefit drops by to 3200 and actually the other couple who owns 145 and $80,000, they actually owe $4,000 more by being married, okay? So, it can oftentimes make more sense to stay single together, have a great wedding, just don't get legally married. And you know, this system, the US tax system, is quite complex in this sense, uh, but there are various things that remain. One thing, for example, Roth IRA. If you make $122,000 when you're single, or less, sorry, less than 122000 you can contribute to an IRA, a Roth IRA, excuse me. But if you're married and combined, you make over 193000 suddenly you can't contribute to an IRA. So say both spouses make $100,000. If they file single, they, they're not married, they can contribute to a Roth individually each. But together, they can't contribute to a Roth. So that's one little loophole where it makes more sense to stay unmarried. Also, mortgage interest deduction, $750,000. It's dropped now. It used to be a million, the limit. Now it's $750,000. But if you are unmarried and you own the house together, you each have that $750,000 limit. So basically, you can write off 
the interest on up to 100 or 1.5 million dollars of mortgage debt okay so once again each one of these situations is specific is specific to you and your spouse or potential spouse and you should always think about it. I know myself and my girlfriend, we, we're going to think about that. What are we going to just stay boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe have a, a wedding, but not actually get married. We're going to have to look at the tax ramifications of it. So don't always think that it makes more sense to get married from a tax perspective. Okay. Now let's grab another caller question that came in earlier at 888 chart. Hey, Steve. My name is Luis. I'm from Texas. Just wanted to know your take on GAIN, ticker symbol GAIN, G-A-I-N. What are your thoughts on it? Is it a go? Is it a no-go? How do you see it? Thanks. All right. He's looking at GAIN. This is Gladstone Investment Corp. Business development company investing in small and medium-sized companies in connection with buyouts. Interesting. So they... I'm assuming they help finance buyouts to some degree. Uh, I would have to look into this uh, a little bit more. Uh, the, the chart is, is very bullish. It continues to make higher highs, relatively higher lows. Had a big giant pullback late last year. Uh, yield 7%. I worry about that. You know, Had a huge drop in the fourth quarter of last year. Went from about uh, $12 a share all the way down to eight fifty or so. So you're talking about a 30 40% drop. And a lot of these business development corporations have very high risk loans. And that's how they get that good yield, 7% yield. Anytime you're getting a 7% yield, you're earning that level of cash flow for lending money. You're probably taking a lot of risk. Now, it could be smart risk. And long term, uh, it looks like the return on equity is relatively high. Uh, but you know, just the general space I don't love in this type of market with a slowing economy. So that's why I would say no. In general, if you look at this particular name, it looks pretty strong, but I just don't like the space. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Please come back tomorrow. Steve will be here with highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter, and I return on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.